0: Hello and welcome back to Psalm Talks. This is Sarah Hussein. I'm an engineer and researcher and my areas of interest are the mind and consciousness. This podcast is all about how to use your mind and your consciousness to live a life to the fullest. I also get the opportunity to sit down with very smart individuals and discuss on these two areas. Today, I got the pleasure to speak with one of the people that I am a massive fan of, Dr. Howard Eisenberg. He is a medical doctor and has postgraduate training in both psychology and psychiatry. He has been a lecturer at the University of Toronto and an associate professor of medicine at the University of Vermont. He is also the CEO of the international consultancy Centrec. On a more personal level, he has been on a passionate lifelong quest to discover the true nature of reality. He was awarded the first postgraduate degree in Canada at McGill University for his highly successful parapsychological research on telepathy. So you can only imagine how excited I am to be speaking with him. He is a treat to listen to. I would say that keep a pen and a paper handy you might need to take some notes. All right, without further ado, let's begin. Hello, Dr. Howard. Hi, Sarah. Your book, Dream It, To Do It, is what I got interested in reading. And there were several places in the book which got me thinking, because you talk about reality and how it works. A lot of the people listening to the podcast are interested in how reality works because it's something we feel that we need to be able to control to some degree in our lives however that's the tricky part because how do you build your own life and so my questions to you are going to be in the premises of that so i guess like my first question to you is what inspired you to write this book
1: well in some ways it goes back to a long time interest going to my childhood, as I remember early childhood, I'm just wondering about the world again, how it worked, different countries, different types of people and beliefs, um, and even wondered about God. I was aware as a child, there were many uh, people who had different mm-hmm. religious backgrounds and they were faithful to them and they were told they had to be faithful to them. But I thought even the young child, if, if there's really God, Why all these different interpretations? And not only were they different interpretations, there was animosity sometimes. You weren't supposed to mix with those people because they're of a different faith and so on. Mm -hmm. So as a young child, I was was aware of that. And also became interested, believe it or not, in science fiction because it it was imaginative science in a sense. Um, And as you may know, uh, so much of what was envisioned by science fiction authors has actually become our reality, good and bad, because they also envisioned Mm -hmm. a dystopian future, which we're heading towards right now. Um, So all of this Mm -hmm. was, again, sparking up my sense of wonderment and and awareness of of more and more uh, in different ways. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And uh, somehow I became aware that there was parapsychological research going down uh, at Duke University in North Carolina by J.B. Ryan, who was one of the American pioneers or one of the international pioneers of looking at psychic phenomena Mm -hmm. from a scientific lens. We, We called it parapsychology, parapsychology research. And um, I found just from reading some paperback books, because I was a consummate reader at that point, um, that he was doing real research, and he uh, sparked my interest. I thought, like, wow, what's more fascinating, you know, <laughs> these sort of superpowers
0: mm-hmm. um, and
1: its leading edge, and yeah. the controversy didn't um, deter me. It kind of was exciting. It was a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I eventually did meet mm-hmm. him, by the way, <laughs> in person. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I went down oh, to, to see wonderful. him and um, convinced the university of the time McGill University allow me to do research in this uh, field, which was a whole other story by the way, mm-hmm. <laughs> about um, manifestation, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that um, but still mm-hmm. at this point, I'm still looking at everything broadly, I'd say, with a scientific lens I, I'm trying again to understand uh, how things work analytically and then have some framework that, you know of explanatory and predictive power in a scientific way um, and I was assuming until 19 19- um, approximately um, just four or five years ago, that ultimately we would find other uh, forces, other dimensions that would explain these things mm-hmm. that scientists in the hardcore uh, were denying was even possible because it defied laws, you know, right. scientists they understood it. Um, mm-hmm. And when I had an invitation, again, a few years ago, to do a keynote presentation for the annual conference of a group of therapeutic touch practitioners as a form of laying on of hands for healing, I, I felt honored by the invitation, and I decided I would do, to honor it properly, do a very deep dive over a few months into all of the literature since mm-hmm. I wrote my first book, Inner Spaces, almost 50 years ago, and not just in the parapsychological realm, but in... Cross spirituality studies, indigenous studies, um, the leading edge of of quantum mechanics and physics, the new psychedelic science that's sort of you know emerging, um, putting all those things Mm -hmm. you know together, and suddenly something just crystallized. Some would call it insight. Some might say it's revelation. I suddenly realized,
2: Mm.
1: intellectually and experientially, that the Scientific assumption that there's a world out there that we can study, and as we learn, we can master it, was totally wrong. Mm-hmm. Not partially wrong, totally wrong. Mm-hmm. That was all a form of illusion. I like to call it a level of reality. I mean, you yeah. could say it exists, yes, but it's not the mm-hmm. whole picture. <laughs> Just like, um, yeah. you know, a tip of an iceberg is right. not an indication of the mass submerged, you know, below the water level. Mm-hmm. So suddenly, again, I had this yeah. realization, and I'm talking, I see suddenly, minutes, a minute or two. And it was mm-hmm. fairly powerful because they felt it emotionally too. And believe it or not, uh, mm-hmm. one of the first things that I experienced was a sense of fear. Uh, like, like, oh my gosh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm all alone. Yeah, I'm aware. that's all like sort of illusory, including people, everything.
0: Right.
1: I'm all alone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yuck. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. but, but then, fortunately, quickly, <laughs> again, maybe seconds,
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it expanded into an awareness that I'm not alone and only one. I'm part of mm-hmm. all that is, all that right. is sentient and, and all the you know, inanimate matter as well, yeah. everything. So it's a sense again of yeah. profound yeah. connection in a way that I had never previously right. you know, even imagined possible. Is said by mystics that the mystical experience is ineffable, that it, it's so beyond normal, you know, cognition and experience. You can't put it in words.
2: Mm-hmm. My task
1: became once I understood this, and once I understood the dire state of our world in so many ways, I felt called, I felt impelled. I have to share this. Um, I have to help yeah. free people. I, I thought of it, and I still do. As a wake-up mm-hmm. call, like we're all in this kind of trance. Just like when we're in dreams at night, and sometimes we don't realize it's a dream. Sometimes it's really bad, like a nightmare. But as real as it yeah. seems, it's, it's not what we call reality, right? You wake up from it. And I think collectively, humanity right now is in a very bad dream, a nightmare. And I'm trying to help them wake up and get out of it fast while well, we still have some chance to do that at
2: this level.
0: there are two things that got my attention. The first is that you said that there was a manifestation story when you were able to do the research in the university. Um, I'm intrigued because I know how sometimes psychic abilities are taken or perceived in the in the you know scientific world in the academic world and oftentimes it's judged like you know, as if it's some sort of irrelevant idea. Yeah. Uh, And perhaps, you know, um, this is not what scientific or people coming from an educational background should think of like, or should even believe in. So how is it as your experience when you got into the university? And how were you able to convince them that this is a relevant area of research, and it is worth your time and their investment as well?
1: So there's two parts to the story, and I'll I'll try to keep it somewhat condensed. Um, and, and really, this is an illustration of, yes, the power of manifestation, um, which I try to explain uh, in some detail in, in my book, even though it's concise, that there are certain steps mm-hmm. you know, for that to happen. So one of the primary ones to begin with is our imagination. Uh, if you choose to envision a desired reality, a better reality in some respects, and, and if you can... Put your belief into it and your intention; right. um, it can manifest and, and come true. Mm-hmm. So, uh, rolling back uh, to your question, when I graduated my first undergraduate degree from McGill University was in honor psychology. Uh, I then went on uh, to do some graduate research at a different university mm-hmm. in the U.S., uh, University of California. Uh, we came to solution with the state of psychology search back then. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I'll do something more serious. So I came back to McGill and enrolled in the medical school.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But that was also boring because it's mostly just road memorization. I still need some excitement. Yeah. And because I already had the honors degree and because I was also doing a medical degree and obviously accepted
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, for my qualifications, I was able to convince one of the professors in the psychology department to sponsor me as a graduate student. Mm-hmm. And to do research and to say he was a little more open-minded than the most. I think he was maybe the only one back then. And um, to also get it through, mm-hmm. uh, I chose uh, as another, the other member of my thesis committee, the hardest core skeptic in the department who was also a statistical genius. Mm-hmm. So he was my advisor or critic yeah. at, you on know, statistical analyses. Um, so I did that part. But then I went, I had to go to the administration I'd get permission to do two degrees at one time in mm-hmm. two different faculties faculty of graduate studies and faculty of medicine right just you can't do it i said why not he said, because no one's ever done it before
2: mm.
1: i said well we're supposed must be at the leading edge of knowledge <laughs> why, why should that stop us and they said well it's more complicated too i said how so he said, every student has a computer id number you'd be at two different faculties at the same time mm-hmm. how would we process that and i said the computer's not supposed to control us. It's supposed to be serving our interests, modify it. Yeah. You can do that. You can yeah. program that aspect. And then it's they said, what about but how do we charge you tuition? Like, you know, was a double tuition? You're gonna use the same library at times. So and I said I'm not asking for a discount. The point is I was able to imagine, despite the barriers, being able to have this happen. Right. And that's where the also intention and belief comes into mm-hmm. it. Yeah. In the department itself. Uh, The chairman was D.O. Hepp at the time, who was an avowed skeptic. Mm -hmm. Uh, You couldn't be more explicit. He he actually said, is that probably impossible? And his own attitude is prejudiced. He admitted that in writing. Um, And I decided, too, in envisioning, I can get through with this research here successfully and prove the case. And it was very powerful research, by the way, in terms of the results. And I can convince him, as hardcore skeptic as he is personally, to agree. It's not impossible. It is real. And after I did my research, by the way, another graduate student replicated some of my research, similar findings. Mm-hmm. You know, that yes, telepathy is real under all the controls we, we made it back. Then. Yeah. So those are examples of a repeat. Not being, lim- going to limiting beliefs, not being limited mm-hmm. by convention, by what was, not being limited by people's initial attitude.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Focused again on what the goal is mm-hmm. you envision. And empowering it with your belief and intention.
0: Yeah, it almost seems like that when you set an intention, it doesn't matter what the reality looks like at that time. Just believe that you have it.
1: Yes. Like one of the examples, you know, I have, as you may remember, Sarah, in the first chapter of my book, is in some of the martial arts, they teach people, sometimes even young students, young kids, how to break a wooden board with their bare hand.
0: Right. I've done that. And, when I was a little. And,
1: and <laughs> uh, my son had that experience at around age 10. Uh, he didn't know what to expect. I was there in the audience with other parents watching a demonstration of their class. Yeah. And I asked him afterwards, because I knew they had to teach him to do something. Yeah. Uh, I said, like, how did they teach you to do that?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And every child, by the way, who you know, took one blow at the board with the bare hand, mm-hmm. broke the board, yeah. every one were yeah. maybe a dozen of them. Yeah. And he said, they taught them to strike beyond the board mm-hmm. so like the board to me is limiting beliefs
2: mm-hmm.
1: you say on one level it's reality mm-hmm. uh, but as you know if we understand modern physics yeah. going back to science yeah. it's 99.9999% empty space
0: right yeah
1: the solidity is an illusion
0: it's uh, yeah you know this part of physics it really gets me because as much as I have and understanding of physics, that's something Mm -hmm. I use a lot. It's almost like my support system (laughs) in academics Mm -hmm. because I go like, oh, look, physics explains this. Um, Mm -hmm. But when when I think about how matter is 99% void, it tricks me because this is all matter, right? The table is matter. It's made out of atoms and it's 99% void. And so that means, Mm -hmm. in physics, essentially that means that I am... In it is a structure which has 99% vacuum and only, and it
1: gets worse. And then <laughs> we used to think there were fundamental building particles in a material sense, yeah. right? Yeah. Electrons, protons, mm-hmm. neutrons. And now we know there aren't. Mm-hmm. And in modern physics, what we're told is there's only zones of probability of what could be, what could manifest. Yeah. And it requires human observation right. for that to happen. So for example, the famous, philis- uh, excuse me, physicist, Wheeler said, it's a participatory universe.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: It needs us
0: yeah. to observe it yeah. for it to manifest. Yeah, there has to be an observer for us to observe an object. So essentially an object's ex- existence is reliant on the observer. So unless yes. there is, and that's, mm-hmm. unless there is an observer, the object is, you it's ambiguous. It can be there, it cannot be there. But again, that depends on the observer.
1: That's right. You know, and as you may remember, the title of my chapter two is the only thing you can absolutely know. Yeah. That were an observer. Right. That we're aware. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else, you know, belief, assumption.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think some people who are going to be listening to this episode are going to go like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, you get it, but what? in McGill university you mentioned that you did an experiment in Mm -hmm. telepathy yeah and that was your uh, that was a turning point right because it it explained uh, it almost proved telepathy it proved telepathy to the chairman at the time yeah i would love to know what that experiment entailed like what did you think you would do to prove it so
1: i i knew from my uh, reading of the research literature in parapsychology
0: um,
1: that it was often tied with emotional experiences. When people have psychic experiences, often I'm talking lay people right now, mm-hmm. um, not trained psychics or mediums, or anything of that nature. But for example, um, a death of a loved one at some distance would wake them up in the middle of the night. They would just know at that moment, yeah. you know, yeah. um, they'd know before the phone rang, who's going to call them. Yeah. You know, they, um, they could tell someone was looking at them from a distance, even though you visually couldn't see them. they sensed it. Yeah. Um, So you know all these all these various things, and trying to trying to make sense of these personal experiences in a scientific frame, I thought that I had a way predictably Mm -hmm. of creating an emotional experience for what I called a sender or a transmitter person. There were Mm -hmm. two people: there was a transmitter and a receiver person, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So if I could create um, with some objective, you know, reliability. This is pre-computer era in many ways. Um, and what I decided to do was to take excerpts of a number of different motion picture films of all mm-hmm. types. So I had some that were beautiful nature aesthetic like um, National Film Board. And I also had things like that were kind of gruesome, like the Boston Strangular. And wow. so it's a very different, powerful emotions. Yeah. I couldn't, of course, guarantee everyone would have the same opinions as we don't know about movies and so on, <laughs> but it was somewhat of a way, you know, of shaping an experience they would have right. in a period of time. And at the other and uh, the sender, had a receiver, as they say,
2: mm-hmm. uh, this
1: is on a modern concrete building on two different floors.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the receiver's in a room with a locked door, with a research assistant outside of it. There's no windows.
2: Mm-hmm. There's no
1: way for them to have any communication with anyone. And they're just lying there on a cot in the dark, just told to relax. Just let your yeah. mind go. Don't try to do anything in particular. Just, you know, let it yeah. go. Yeah,
0: don't think what's going to be right. coming.
1: Yeah. And then uh, after the stimulus period uh, where mm-hmm. the center is watching this excerpt from a movie. Uh, my assistant would awaken the receiver, uh, turn on the lights, uh, bring them to a table where they could write and say, uh, please write down whatever impressions came to mind during that period of time. Mm-hmm. And I sort of like a more of a free association thing. But then again, when then I was really into scientific rigor, because it all had to be me. I was getting help from the department. That they're all yeah. believers. And I thought, yeah. okay, so... Another way to maybe to capture data here, given that not everyone's going to have the same reaction, let's say again, to a movie. Some will mm-hmm. like it, some will like it, some will be afraid, some will be entranced, et cetera. Um, yeah. What's another way for me to get more information here and with strict protocols? So I thought of I would create a deck of photographs. I think it was six photographs.
2: Mm-hmm. One of
1: them was from part of the movie clip that was mm-hmm. shown. The others were all different, but visually you could not tell that one was shown in the movie, one wasn't. Um, it was a real mix again, almost mm. in a random way.
2: Interesting. So
1: then, what I asked them to do, both at the sender side and receiver side, after they had the experience, I said, okay, now here's a deck of you know, several uh, photographs. Rank order them in terms of how close they approximated your experience during this wow. you know, period. Yeah. And then I could look at first do they pick the top one both of them you know the correlates um, and they did. And then yeah. I also looked is there also a rank correlation between the mm-hmm. other ones and there was. Mm-hmm. So all types of data proving this.
0: Wow, that is fascinating. So when you were at the receiver end mm-hmm. did you think that they should set an intention that they're about to receive something from No, they were they, the they knew system.
1: the experiment was a love experiment. Yeah. Um, that's all they knew. They're not given no hints about, you know, type of film that might be shown. Yeah. Just lie here, rest, and whatever comes to your mind, you know, if you're able to when you lights come back on and you're awakened from this, just write it down. And then the the deck of photographs.
0: This is beyond interesting um, because, you know, the deck of photographs is really what solidifies that Mm -hmm. they are on the same yeah. Wavelength when it comes to their thoughts, yes. and they're thinking the same things. Um, had it been an explanation, perhaps there would be room for um, margin for error, mm-hmm. you know, because an explanation can vary. It mm-hmm. could be personal. Um, I think the photographs is what solidifies that this this works. So mm-hmm. this is very interesting. I'm going to be geeking out on it <laughs> in my free time. <laughs> All right, so. I guess my next question was, how does reality work? You have touched on your own manifestation story. The fact that we set an intention, it doesn't matter what is happening around us at the time, just believe your intention is going to be fulfilled and it will. So in some way, it seems like that we are this home transmitters who are projecting out an intention. And as long as we hold on to that intention and we believe that it is true, the reality is going to change itself and prove that it is true.
1: Well, it's just as yeah. in quantum mechanics that we we're discussing before in physics, we're dealing now with the concept of zones of probability as opposed to, you know, fixed uh, entities. Yeah. So just, just to, for some corrective um, feedback on that about manifestation. Mm-hmm. So that is the basic formula, but I have to add something very important here. Uh, yes. And it goes back to, to your deeper question, how reality works. And that mm. is, so, so if you do all the right things that we understand for manifestation, and as I say, I, I try to explain them as key steps in, in, in my book. It doesn't guarantee that you will have that manifest. What it does is it increases the probabilities mm. that it will happen.
2: Mm. But it
1: really does. I mean, just mm. like, for example, medicine, the placebo effect. If Mm -hmm. people believe something that chemically has no power, it's inert, Mm so-called sugar pill, will have some beneficial effect for them in terms of pain reduction, or even sometimes as an antibiotic, they have an infection.
2: Mm -hmm. If they
1: believe it enough, then many of them do get that benefit, but not everyone believes it enough. Right. You know, so it's a probable thing that the placebos will affect many people, but not say everyone. But now at a deeper level, coming back to this Mm -hmm. and how reality works. And again, in part, uh, my first two chapters at first, again, is things you don't obviously see, which are sort of discussing, you know, the illusory aspect of this is reality. And the second, Mm -hmm. as I say, chapter is the only thing you can absolutely know, again, that we're an observer, that we're conscious. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: If it's the only thing we can know, and there's nothing that we can be sure is outside of us,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: then we have to go back to, I think, now to some of the spiritual teachings Mm
2: -hmm. about
1: the nature of reality. Many people have, in recent years, recent times, from different religions, have become sort of caught up in the belief, I think a corrupted belief, that their lives are controlled externally from them, not by political entities, but by uh, God or other deities uh, Mm -hmm. uh, in different cultures. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And that's not how it started. Those -hmm. were not the original teachings.
2: Mm
1: The original teachings were that we are all part of what some people call God. I like to use the term now source. It's it's mm-hmm. non denominational and doesn't have some of the emotional triggers it may be for yeah, some people and so on. Yeah, but I think it's also true because I think it's the source it's of all. So right. come back to your question. Given that this world in some ways is partially illusion. And it doesn't mean it doesn't exist at all. Just like we have a dream, it's partially illusion, but it doesn't mean the dream doesn't exist. I mean, we still have, you know, the dream. Yeah. So my understanding is that at a deeper level,
2: Source dreams up the whole world. Mm-hmm. And
1: we are extensions of Source. As
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Shakespeare said, we're all, you know, players on a stage um, I like to think we're like the waves of a cosmic ocean. So
2: mm,
1: if you took a fixed photograph, cool. you know, yeah. you could point to different waves. Oh, this is a bigger wave, this is a smaller one. Uh, yeah. This one's growing, this one's disappearing. Yeah. But they all are based in the same reality of the ocean. Yeah. And I think that's more the nature of our existence. And why would source stream up this world? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's because source is just going to spread more love, period. You know, in some you know, way that we may try to frame it in human terms, a source needs us
2: mm-hmm. and
1: this world
2: mm-hmm. because
1: you can't have consciousness without something mm-hmm. to be conscious of.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Give you an example: when, when, when you look in a mirror mm-hmm. and you see your face, and you know mm-hmm. it by now. Um, mm-hmm. If you look after a few moments, and I wouldn't suggest more than a few minutes for most people, seriously, you start to realize that yes, I'm I'm seeing my familiar face.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: but I don't see me. I'm seeing my face. What I is what is what is seeing that. me? What is seeing yeah. my face?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so we come back to, you know, again, that connection, that awareness of a deeper source.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think we're amphibious beings. So just like amphibians, like frogs and salamanders can live in water or in land,
2: mm-hmm. I
1: believe that we are at least of dual nature,
2: mm-hmm. that,
1: that we can exist in this Dimension, so to speak, that we call it a consensual reality. That's apparently separate beings, separate mm-hmm. people, yeah. separate from our physical environment and the other, you know, uh, animal kingdom and plant life and so on. Mm-hmm. But at our level, we're all connected. Right. And when you forget about the connection
0: mm-hmm. and get
1: too much into ego
0: mm-hmm.
1: and too much into emotions like fear
2: mm-hmm. and greed, mm-hmm.
1: you're greatly distanced from source. You right. lose the sense of connectivity. You mm-hmm. lose the wisdom.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: lose what we would call heartfelt compassion. Mm-hmm. Because what connects us all on this level, if we're open mm-hmm. to it, and we're so in need of it right now, is love. Love mm-hmm. connects. Hate mm-hmm. separates. Right. And fear also separates. Yeah. And there's a, you know, there's a song called, What the World Eat Now is Love. Just yeah. love And I I really think it is. Uh, And as I explained in my book, there's so much misconception even in Western science about what we understand. So Mm -hmm. even coming back to more basic things like the brain and consciousness, Mm -hmm. so many people assume scientifically, in the West at least, that the physical brain in our head produces consciousness. Mm
2: -hmm. In
1: reality, there's no evidence for that. Mm
2: -hmm. In
1: reality, there's only what we call correlations, that you would do things to the brain which modify our experience or our behavior. Yeah. Doesn't mean yeah. it's a source. You can do that to a radio. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that other people with a different radio that isn't being manipulated are gonna hear yeah. the distortion and you know the radio you're causing because you're playing with it or yeah. if something goes wrong with our computer. It doesn't mean there's still not something on the internet that millions mm-hmm. of other people, you know, can experience well. Right. But it's it's even more, you know, in some ways embarrassing scientifically than that, because we now know that all human beings have at least three physical brain
2: mm-hmm.
1: so aside from the brain not being the source of consciousness even we mm-hmm. want to play with the concept the brain and consciousness mm-hmm. there's at least three in our body mm-hmm. one of them is the heart brain another is what we call the gut brain the microbiome mm-hmm. the bacterial population in our large colon
2: mm-hmm.
1: the heart has its own nervous system mm-hmm. the heart has its own memory system the mm-hmm. heart has more nerves controlling brain function than the head and the head brain can modify the heart.
2: Right. The heart
1: can produce its own hormones like oxytocin, the love hormone. The yeah. heart seems to be a portal to intuition. We talk about, you know, somebody being warm hearted, heartfelt. It's a deeper level. Again, it's, it's connected to love and connection.
0: Right. So I, when I was listening to your book, I heard about this in the book mm-hmm. and you go into great depth. So if, there are listeners who are interested where they can learn more about it. Um, The link to the book is going to be in the show notes. Dr. Howard, I am, you know, I'm going to take a few steps back to that wave that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. And you had mentioned that we are all a part of the bigger consciousness, Mm -hmm. the higher consciousness that we, Mm -hmm. that connects us all. And we all have a different function, but we are working with the same. We all are the same. Mm -hmm. And, then you spoke about the dual nature of us as human beings. Mm-hmm. That dual nature is something I deeply connect with. And it is, you know, whenever I have clients or even in some during the podcast episodes, I talk a lot about our egoistic self and our true self. Mm-hmm. Because human beings just by nature are dual. We are spiritual, but we have a physical body. Mm-hmm. And that brings the essence of duality to us. So when you talk about... Um, how does how reality works? Um, you know, one of the things uh, in which you touched upon is that emotions like fear mm. and hatred, anything mm. that's negative mm-hmm. emerging from the ego, mm-hmm. it keeps us away from the source, which is with our true self. Yes. And to manifest great things or to manifest things which mm-hmm. we really want, our heartfelt desires, it's important to be in touch with source. Right? We can't absolutely. be
1: in- absolutely. Absolutely.
0: We can be in the state of ego. Otherwise, the ego is just going to give us fear and um, we wouldn't be able to successfully manifest the things that we want. I would love for you to touch upon how fear plays a role from letting people live the life to the fullest.
1: Well, you know, I use a constant beginning of my book, limiting beliefs and going Mm -hmm. back to the example I mentioned of in martial arts, how you break through wooden board. so, just because we're taught certain things, just because we have an experience of certain things, doesn't necessarily mean that's how things have to be. But many of us don't right. realize that, and we're fearful of turning away from that. Like coming back to religion, many people are brought up, I repeat, not just taught about a certain faith, but, but they're almost, in some cases, forced, um, mm-hmm. either externally or because their fear is provoked by the family mm-hmm. that you, you can't right. possibly you know ignore the tradition of our yeah. family and so on. Um, fear, as I said, you know, separates us. And so although source dreams us up and back to, as I said, the Shakespearean quote, we're all players on the stage. It, it, it's not, there's no maliciousness in it. It, it. it it just allows us to be out in the world. Again, as an extension of how we can experience this in, in a way itself. It's awkward using words, mm-hmm. you know, to express yeah. this, but we can partly do it. Um, it, it doesn't deal with the morality issue in itself. But when you're having, like going back to just conventional dreams, almost all of us would prefer to have a pleasant dream as opposed to a nightmare. So mm-hmm. this is not good at any level what we're experiencing right now. And we're living mm-hmm. in a world now of tremendous fear, which weirdly mm-hmm. enough has been greatly amplified by this. And, and now with, you know, Chat GPT emerging and AI um, rushing, you know, to, to penetrate so many of our spaces in our culture.
2: Right.
1: Um, we're more and more again into on one hand, information overload, but also tremendous confusion as to be able to sort out and think things out properly. And when we look, mm-hmm. for example, what's happening right now in the USA in America, until recently it was considered the leading democracy in the world, the wealthiest country, mm-hmm. the strongest country. And as we speak yeah. right now, because of fear and hatred, divisiveness, basically, it's at mm-hmm. risk of as failing as an entire country. Real risk. Yeah. And yeah. in the very near future. That's the reality. And, and that's from fear, being stoked purposely by certain ill-serving political leaders who do it for their own egos. But they know how to stoke that emotion in people, which overwhelms them. Yeah. Uh, in more conventional terms in my medical and psychiatry background, uh, we call mm-hmm. it, you know, activating the amygdala, and we call
2: mm-hmm.
1: it amygdala hijack. It's the primitive part of our brain that responds instinctively to fear and when mm-hmm. we get angry. And it actually drains the blood from the top part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, where we believe we have our higher thinking processes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it becomes
2: very right. consuming
0: and mm-hmm. blinding. Mm-hmm. yeah um this is it seems like a common state of the world right now it is um i mean you when, know the uk yeah. broke
1: off from the European union um russia's invaded ukraine um then there's global climate change so back to what i said right. earlier too once i connected the dots and had that experience of the oneness and our mm-hmm. connectedness with everything I felt mm-hmm. I have to speak out. I have to right. shout out a wake up call as loudly and as you know, broadly as I have energy to do.
2: Yeah.
1: This is scary. Yeah. Um, we're not just having a, a few problems in the world. And some people say, well, you always had problems, challenges. In part, that's true, but not like this. It's mm-hmm. almost like you know, the second expulsion from the Garden of Eden of humanity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, it's already, we're yeah. out. I mean, we, we can't bring back we're what out. we enjoyed yeah. when we were younger.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, it, it takes me back to what I was listening to in your book. I think it was chapter number six Mm -hmm. and you were talking about, um, an organization, which is going to be my notes. It is led by Roger Nelson and it is a multidisciplinary research project. Mm -hmm. And it's how the group consciousness of the world impacts the magnetic field of the world. And the whole planet planet, so that essentially is in alignment with what you were saying about fear how fear is stoked into people and because they're encouraged to always be anxious and fearful because that is you know it's like staying in survival mode when enough people are doing that Mm -hmm. we are impacting each other at large we're impacting Mm -hmm. the whole universe at large
1: that's right we are um even going back to the heart being one of the sort of physical brains the heart generates an electromagnetic field that extends at least six mm-hmm. feet around the body. When you're in proximity of someone else, the two electromagnetic mm-hmm. fields interact. So if you're coming from hate, other people feel it. You know, you, some of these people use expressions like that person mm-hmm. had bad vibes. Yeah. Or they feel like right. so warm hearted. Because y- your heart can also sense at a much more profound level.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: The, the emotion, the, the nature and- of people.
0: And, you know, this is something that everybody experiences. So it's not a selective experience. Everyone experiences vibes in the real world. I got good vibes from this person, place, thing, activity. Mm -hmm. I didn't get good vibe. And oftentimes Mm -hmm. uh, where we struggle is when we want to rationalize that vibe and we want to support it with Mm -hmm. our own reasoning. But we cannot because you may have the best conversation with someone that you don't get the best vibes from. So what do you, how do you decide your future mm-hmm. interactions in that case? And yeah, we'd love to know what you say.
1: Well, well, I, I think um, it's more fulfilling for us in all ways to choose again what makes us feel mm-hmm. more connected to people and nature around us. And if you can be non-judgmental with people, which is hard, because we're thoughtfully, you to be so judgmental. With prejudices of all sorts, which, if anything, are somewhat worse right now in the world than they've been for a long time, unfortunately, back to the divisiveness we're experiencing. But if you can learn to be non-judgmental and just sense this person for whatever is mm-hmm. so disconnected from you, from reality, from morality, and if you can try mm-hmm. from your heart to connect, call it Buddhism yeah. loving-kindness, yeah. you know, for others. Um, sometimes with a person like that, in a situation like that, it, mm-hmm. it will break through that guardedness, that, that uh, right. filtering right. that they have. Um, I'm not saying always, back to what I said earlier about manifestation, it's a probabilistic mm-hmm. in a sense universe. If if the source totally knew everything that everyone would do all the time and what would happen, it would be like one of us watching the same show on Netflix, (laughs) same one (laughs) over and over again for infinity, Mm -hmm. wouldn't be desirable. So there has to be an intrinsic randomness to a degree that's why I say it's not absolute, it's Mm -hmm. probabilistic.
0: Yeah, Um, you know, about that, um, sometimes people think that how good do they need to be when they're approaching somebody in order to almost cancel out their bad vibes. And I do take it, you know, in physics, there's constructive wave, destructive waves. When you have mm-hmm. enough of a good consciousness that expands, you can almost transmute and you know, change your interaction with people. You can make it great.
1: Yeah, I mean, for example, you know, po- poets sometimes refer to the eyes being windows of the soul. Right. And there mm-hmm. is something to that. And when you are looking into someone's eyes, which we can't really do on you know, our Zoom screens, even though we think we can, yeah. but that's again, illusion, right? Right. It's not the same. Um, but when you do in, as we call it, real life, as opposed to you know, mm-hmm. on the screen, so to speak, there is a if you're open to it, it does allow you to connect much more deeply with anyone. You could be passing, you know, a young uh, infant mm-hmm. in a stroller, and, and little babies often mm-hmm. look at people's eyes. And if you mm-hmm. are open to it, you'll both have a smile, and it will feel really good. You will yeah. feel that connection, even though you don't know the parent of that it happens child. Happens all the time, whatever, right? When
0: right? you see kids. Um, yeah.
1: But also, you know, as it used to be when there was less fear and less device in us because, again, these so-called smart devices, which make us dumber, and people would pass each other on the street. Sometimes you just nod your head say, good morning. You always know the people. That almost never happens. Yeah,
0: absolutely. If somebody wants to change their life right now and they want one step to get started with, what it is that you would suggest?
1: In a large way, I'd say it's getting more in touch with your intuition. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: what interests you? Why does it interest you? Mm -hmm. And then if you could start imagining in your mind more vividly what it maybe would look like if you were in that type of relationship, Mm -hmm. if you moved to that location, if you were in that type of a job. And then it's almost Mm -hmm. like backtracking in your mind in terms of action steps. All right, so that's a map where I want to go. And mm-hmm. what are some policies I can right. do right now? Not the whole thing right now, but what what are what's the first step? Mm-hmm. Second step, like the Chinese expression, journey of a thousand miles comes from the first step. And and that goes back again you know, to the intention yeah. and discipline. Uh, then it's again mm-hmm. it increases the probability big time. But you will have that more desirable yeah. reality for you. And so again, using yeah. the intuition and then amplifying it in a sense with imagination and then bringing in
0: right.
1: belief, which is not so easy for people, you know. Because it's like an unwavering belief, <laughs> uh, and and then you know the intention just go all the way through. You're not gonna you know stop at the wooden board.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so connect with your intuition, expand on it with imagination, and come up with it with some belief. Yes, exactly. And try to not waver from it too That's much, right?
1: right? Uh, ideally, which at is all. a tricky
0: part. <laughs> ideally at all, yeah, definiteness we're going to wrap up the episode here dr howard would love to have you for part two i have so many questions i was writing down my notes um i was making notes as we were talking thank you for listening to the podcast it was a pleasure to be recording this for you and it is always a pleasure to be hearing your feedback through reviews and emails for suggestions and feedback, you can write to me at hello at And for all information regarding Dr. Howard, please take a look at the show notes. His books are an amazing read, so I would highly encourage you to do so. And let me know what you thought about today's episode. I'd love to hear how it impacted you. Any thoughts, stories, and suggestions? Alrighty. I'll let you go now and I'll catch you next time.